Welcome to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Here are your hosts, Chris Forte and John Moises. I'm John Moises. That's Chris Forte. Live brave. Welcome to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Today, we have another great guest. His name is Michael Patrick Peters. And how'd you meet this guy? I met him dancing, brother. Dancing. So he's... (laughs) This is a dance meditation, but he'll be coming over in a little bit. But we thought we'd start the show um, with us talking because the past few weeks we've just had guests, and you and I haven't had to, our chance to do our spiritual spiritual work. Right, on we, the pod. Exactly, we need it, man. So before we get started, though, I want to make sure that everybody knows we've got some new stuff happening. So everybody knows that we're on Twitter at the Warrior Pod. You can now like us on Facebook at the Humble Warrior Podcast. You can that check out went. our beautiful faces. Yeah, our our cartoon faces. <laughs> <laughs> you were on Instagram. And make sure we, we're trying to build up our iTunes subscribers and reviews. So if you are listening and subscribe to us on iTunes, we'd love it if you left us a review. If you haven't subscribed to uh, our podcast on iTunes and you're listening on the site or in some other way, you have an iPhone, easiest way is to subscribe to our podcast right on iTunes, and then you'll know when we have a new pod every uh, every Monday. So I walked in today. You know, we pod out of your house. Yep. And there's like a car. There's all this stuff out in the front of the yard, and you're, you're moving, man. I'm moving. So, you know, I've been in this house over 10 years, or it will be 10 years actually, March 17th. And I've been going about 99 miles per hour on a daily basis for the last five to six days, but I've been very cognizant to just, for myself, come back to your breath, and right. time like some anxiety or a little stress, and just going with the flow with this whole process. And what's been going on is you and I've been, you know, it's great as we're continuing to be committed and do the podcast once a week. And like you mentioned, we've had a lot of guests mm-hmm. and you and I have just not have communicated what's going on in both of our lives. Right. Right. And, uh, you've been away, you know, looking at maybe a, you know, possible opportunity. Right. And I've been, you know, going through this move and the reason the move has to happen because I'm going away with one of my kids, on a school trip to China for two weeks. Wow. So I've got that right uh, right after the move. Okay, so you, so you have a new place, right? I have a new place. Okay, so we're going to be moving the Humble Warrior Podcast Studios to the new place. Yeah, in the new place. I'm actually moving this Saturday. Oh, so wow. It's, yeah, the movers. So our next, this will be our last pod at this place. Wow, okay. Well, this yeah. is momentous then. Yeah, so we'll bring that up to Michael. So yeah, we'll have to take a picture and take it in. Yeah, this is it, man. Cool. So this weekend, there was a holistic wellness fair in Royal Oak. And I wanted to meet you there, but been in, obviously, the process of this move. So tell us about it. Well, Erica and I went. Okay. We took the kids, and I met one of my friends there. And it was quite large, actually. It was bigger than I thought it would be. Wow. Okay. And there were all kinds of practitioners. Um, so there was a shaman drumming. Oh, shaman meditate. drumming? Shaman, yeah, med- yeah, yeah, great. Shaman drumming in wow. Royal Oak. They do it every Wednesday. Cost 10 bucks. Apparently, 
Eric and I are going to check it out. Where? I'll, I'll go uh, with you guys. Somewhere in downtown Royal Oak. When, get, on Wednesday night? Yeah. Okay. I get the flyers over here. Okay, good. Um, and, of course, there was a lot of wellness people. There were folks that, um, like chiropractors mm-hmm. and massage therapists and some energy workers. And the interesting thing was there was a woman that was offering a free session for, and I'm going to look it up here, what she's called, because I signed up. Um, soul, a soul discovery session. She's given a free one hour soul discovery session. Wow. Can you, can you advertise that right now for anybody, for our listeners? Cause that is a gift or is that just, well, was it, she was only giving it away at, at the, the, okay, at the expo. okay. So I signed up. Okay. But anyways, my soul discovery session is next week from one to two. Oh, we're going to talk about it. When, when do you go? Well, she does it over the phone. Okay. So she gave me a call-in number and all this, and so I, I, okay. And so, I asked her. I said, "So you can feel my energy over the phone?" She's like, "If you let me." Okay. And I said, "Okay." Great. I don't know if she's on the up and up or what, but we'll find out. Good. Um. So there was that, and the Birmingham Wellness Center was there. Okay. And basically, there it's like a chiropractic office with yeah. some massage. And I was talking to a practitioner there. And, you know, I have my own chiropractor. Mm-hmm. But I was talking to her, and she's she studies kinesiology yes. as well as chiropractic. Mm-hmm. So she looks at your blood and your yes. whole chemical makeup, which my chiropractor didn't do. Mm-hmm. And I might go get a session with her. That'd be great. And that kind of falls into kind of what we talked about with, with our good old friend, Dr. Joel Kahn. You know, just another way to look at a certain type of, I don't want to use the word issue, but a practice, you know, it, like cardiology, he looks at a different way and looks mm-hmm. at some other things. And this is just an example of a holistic way of looking at the chiropractor. Right, right. So that's cool. Right. So like the past couple of weeks have been health month for me. Yeah. You know, after the Dr. Joel Kahn pod, remember I asked him those questions yeah. about my heart and he said, oh, you should come in. So I... I you know, I went to my normal doctor and said, I'm, I'm having these symptoms again. What's right. going on? And he sent me for a chest x-ray and a calcium scan and an EKG. EKG, normal. Chest x-ray, normal. And the calcium score, zero. Bingo. So my arteries aren't clogged. And that's awesome. So I said, well, what the heck's the matter with me? Why am I feeling tired? How come I fatigued and short of breath sometimes? He said, well, you might have sleep apnea. I'm like, sleep apnea? I said, well, you know what? My wife always complains about me snoring, and she says sometimes I wake up. like She catches me like gasping for breath in the middle of the night, which I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, but so he, he referred me to a sleep apnea specialist that I went to yesterday. <laughs> Yesterday was a crazy day in the Moises household. So I went to sleep apnea yesterday, just the initial consultation, and he did a few tests, and he looked at my throat, and apparently my air passageways in my throat are one-fifth the size that they should be. Wow. So I don't know what's causing (laughs) this. He he seems, I asked him if if it could be genetic. He said it's possible. Well, he said, but it could be weight. So it's either that I have bad genes or I'm fat. Is two, re- <laughs> two reasons why I might be happy to have sleep apnea. Um, 
but he scheduled me for a take-home test. So in a week, I have to go pick up this machine, and apparently I have to wear it or something when I sleep, and then bring it back the next day, and it gives them all these test results, and then we'll know more in a week of, of what I what, if I have sleep apnea. But he said he's pretty sure. Well, you're grabbing the bull by the horns, man. Well, you, so we got more stuff going Well, bring it on. So Alexandria yesterday, my daughter... You know, she's had some allergies, but we don't know exactly what. So she went for a full allergy test yesterday. Mm-hmm. And the poor girl, she's only four. So, you know, this is a big deal for her. And I don't know if anyone's, if if you've ever had an allergy test before. But basically, you sit there, because I've had mine. You lay down, and they basically poke your back with all the allergens. And there's like... Is it kind of like an acupuncture type? It's yeah. kind of like that, except, mm. yeah. And then, basically, if your skin reacts to it, then they know which allergy you're allergic to. So she went for that yesterday. That was a three-and-a-half-hour ordeal Jeez. for her. Um, and then later this week, my wife is getting genetic testing to see if she's predisposed through her genes for any <laughs> kind of diseases. So I, I don't know why all of a sudden we're doing all these things, but... Um, well, we're checking it out. You're checking out. It's nice as you went to that holistic fair as a family too, right? Yeah, we did. And I think so that that's great too. It's kind of like bringing everybody, not necessarily on board, but, you know, getting exposed to that. And, you know, I've known you and probably a year from now, a year, fr- a year ago, you wouldn't be no. all jolly going, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. No, you sucked and, me into your yeah, holistic world, man. Yeah. But, and you've done your own research to make you feel comfortable is my point. And, uh, I don't know if I've done that. I well, just, look I at, just, you're doing a soul discovery. You're going to a, a holistic chiropractor and you're get, you've been trying to this, but at the end of the day, you've been trying to figure out what this thing has been going on in your chest. Right. And you keep searching because you haven't, you know, because you're getting to the root. You want to get the answer. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm getting more information. Getting more information. Which is, which is, the it, way you always describe these things, and you know, some of these things I think are, you know, some of the things I'm just not comfortable with. Yeah, because I have no experience with it. But you know, as as we talked to Camille from the Holistic Chamber last week, was it last week? Yeah, yeah, you know. I'm learning about these things, and yeah. some of these practices are good. And just like any other profession, there's some good practitioners and there's some bad practitioners. Yeah. So I'm just exploring. Um, and oh, so the Birmingham Wellness Center, I uh, they were giving away a free massage. So I filled out a raffle ticket. They called me yesterday. <laughs> I won. Okay, see, the universe <laughs> is right now. It's 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 bringing you on, kid. <laughs> something, something between the interview, you won like the raffle. There's a lot going uh, on right yeah, now. Yeah, dude, and you're just you're full of smiles. I like your enthusiasm. You you got it going on. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, and I think what's what's cool, and I think what's that we could just share with the listeners is that you know we could, and it's it's just more of like the condition we've grown up in. We could always just accept you know the answer what the doctor says or right you know, or what someone else says and just go with that. But if something's kind of just not, you know, if you're not hundred percent sure comfortable with it, you know, there are resources out there and you could take your time and just know there's all these resources. And so that's where I'll share with you. Cause after the Dr. Joel Kahn, okay. And you know, John's at a zero, that's where, and we're, and I'm a little older than John, but 
uh, in your 40s, that's where you want to be is a zero as far, as far as a calcium score. And mine is 25. And I'm just about to turn, I'll turn 46 in August. And it was 13 when I was 39. And, you know, my doctor gave me a smiley face, like, oh, you're doing good, you know, and it, everything's okay. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's not zero. So I went and made an appointment with Dr. Joel Kahn. And we went through, you know, the heart and his holistic viewpoints of how we can reverse it. And, you know, the medical, a lot of the medical industry say, you know, you can, you know, that, that you can't reverse your score, but there's doctors out there like Dr. Joel Kahn. If you take certain approaches, you can. And so we did a bunch of blood work Mm -hmm. and he hasn't gotten all the results back, but immediately he got one back and back and said, Chris, you're low on your vitamin D level. Right. You need to be at 50 and you're at 18. And so, well, yeah, but, and he said, that's fine. It's a normal, but you know, yeah. I want to, you know, you should be taking 5,000 IUs a day for vitamin D where I was only taking 2000. And so it's these little incremental steps and the commitment to at least give it a shot and be open. So we're going to wait back to get all these other tests, but you know, it's constantly just looking at the diet, your stress, you know, all these different factors. I think he had about maybe eight or nine factors and we kind of honed in on, you know, certain types of vitamins, et cetera. So as I go down that path, we'll just keep you abreast on that. But again, it's, it's continuing to just, you know, want to take care of yourself, make yourself the priority wherever it is, you know, in your life, if it's your heart, if it's your throat or what have you. Right. Well, good. Yeah. So I think that's all that's happening. Yeah, we got a lot going on. I mean, hopefully we'll talk a, a little bit before our uh, our next guest next week, but then I'm going to be, well, actually, I'm leaving to China the 24th. So, but we're going to be in my new place next week, and that okay. should be interesting. With well, you ta- tables around. Address. Yeah, it's not too far from here. Okay. So um, it's going to be good. So it's we're still I'm the- going downtown, kid. <laughs> downtown <laughs> Birmingham. Yeah, downtown. <laughs> All right. Well, no, it's, that'll be better. Yeah. We different. Won't, we won't have the kids in the background right. anymore. Well, I, well, we may, so I'm actually across a park. Okay. So, you know, and that's what's kind of cool how this all, this, that, so let me tell you how this house happened. This this was like a last second kit, last second thing that happened. So I was looking at a house, about to sign a lease, and then, you know, this house came up and my kids fell in love with it. And it was just like, okay, it's just meant to be. And just sometimes that's the way if you just kind of let life flow with it and you kind of go with the flow, it's meant to be. But what's great is a huge park across the street. Mm-hmm. We've always had a park and that's always been important to them. And it's just, that's awesome that we've got a park. Well, that's good. Well, yeah. kids need to play. I'd rather yeah. have a park across the street. Yeah. It would help me out a lot. Yeah. And they've got the an kids. ice skating rink too. So it's like you get your own Why, private ice skating this? rink. This is a Barnum Park. So I'm I'm moving on a street called Purdy and you know you get the park and it's par- and then the next street is the busy street Pierce. Okay, so it's over there by the Townsend? It's a um off of Old Woodward. So actually I could walk to yoga now, kid. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and part of the deal was I have three daughters. One of the rooms we made is a meditation room. Oh, nice. And us four are going to meditate five minutes a night, and we're just going to start that. Okay. Oh, you know what? So my wife went to a new, there's a yoga studio in uh, Berkeley. Okay. And my friend goes there, and they were talking over the weekend. She 
she talked her into going and she went and they did this this meditation yoga that she thought was really fantastic so um when you're gone i'm gonna erica and i are gonna she's gonna sub in for you okay great so erica's great guys and she's awesome and i've I've known erica from actually met erica at yoga so Mm -hmm. that's awesome yeah so okay good we got that to look forward to so our guest will be here in a couple minutes and then we'll get him on the air and talk about this dance dance meditation technique technique. so we've got our guest michael patrick peters he's going to be on the line here Actually, he's here live. Right, he's got, here right I got, now. I got confused because <laughs> the past couple of weeks we've been having inbound calls, and this week you're here live in person. I, I am. I'm yes, excited. And it's going to be our last official pod at this location. Right, so, so you're the last guest at the uh, Birmingham estate. Yeah. What a, what a treat. <laughs> yeah. We're going to burn this place down that's when it. we're done. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do dancing, too. Right. We'll dance it. <laughs> okay. So how did you meet, how did you meet Michael? I've met, I met Michael through, well, actually, actually met Michael through Sarah and that's who we all talked about is Sarah was helping me with my book and she mentioned, um, you know, Michael has this, uh, dance meditation technique and he does it around different yoga studios and you know, our world is so small that I ran into Michael at center for yoga where I practice and him and his wife practice. And it so happened that he had a workshop coming up, up at Center for Yoga, and I was all in. So I went. And well, did you I go did, with your daughter? I did. I took. Oh, right. I took. I took my daughter Brooke. Okay. And we loved it and had a great experience, just father and daughter. But more importantly, is I really love the practice, and it's just another, you know, another tool for tool for someone's toolbox, as we've described so many times on the show, that you could explore. You know, finding yourself and just doing something for yourself. Okay. So we've got Michael Patrick Peters, who is the creator of the dance meditation technique, which is a drug-free scientific technique and art for transforming tension into creativity. He's the founder and principal artist of Imagine Do, a creative group in pursuit of better living through creativity, experimenting and working with various mediums to accomplish that mission. And Michael is a poet, artist, musician, father, and dedicated to healing arts practitioner. Welcome to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. And hi, Sarah Voss, who's probably listening yes. to this. Thanks Hello, for introducing uh, uh, Chris to me. Yeah. Well, great. Well, so I'm interested in, you know, our show revolves around spirituality, personal growth, holistic practices. Um, how did you get into, how, are you, how did you get into kind of that, that world and the healing arts world because a lot of times we all have everybody has such interesting stories of what brought them into that space sure sure and and this is all edited right so we can if i ramble and go on and on you can trim it down because that's a big answer well is that right there's no time limit great you know yeah great great so when uh i was a young man i went through a lot of difficulties with uh life and uh was always not always, but I would say by the time I became around nine years old, I was struck with a really tangible, unshakable feeling of meaninglessness. Okay. And um, uh, got into drinking and doing, you know, different types of drugs and doing terrible in school and just... I started at nine? 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I really didn't like school. Really, really didn't like school and had a lot of difficulties in my family situation. Very painful upbringing. So like many of us, right? Right. And, uh, but I did have this sense that no matter what punishment could be given to me, that there was a part of me that felt like I was invincible. Like I, I just, ultimately I was beyond being harmed, uh, by these people. So consequently, I really took it to the extreme of, sure. of, of uh, misbehaving, you know, quote unquote misbehaving. Yeah. I didn't have any respect for the elders around me in my school. I, it, nothing I was doing seemed to make sense, particularly schooling and education. I remember being in school and thinking, why am I learning this? Like, I don't understand what application this has in my life. Okay. Um, so I ended up Ended up in some drug rehabilitation centers, going to AA, NA meetings, which were amazing. I went to the Manresa AAs uh, up there in Bloomfield Hills. And, I, and here I am, at, you know, 14, 15 years old, hanging out with 80-year-old men who are telling stories that would just, you know, right. blow your mind. Mm. Uh, horrible. Mm-hmm. Blow your mind horrible. And I realized I was not an alcoholic. Being around these men, I, I, was, that wasn't my problem. Mm-hmm. But it was a very, very powerful uh, experience to be around them. And then um, I was at a Jesuit high school. And very, very long story short, I ended up deciding to take my own life one day. And so I took about 40 Fiorinol, which is a Whoa. very powerful migraine medicine. And luckily... It was expired to the point that it oh, didn't wow. kill me. It would have killed me otherwise. Yeah. But I remember going, I don't remember much of the day, but I remember going to school and finding Father Gray, his name was Father Gray, at UD Jesuit High, mm-hmm. and telling him, like, I, I took all this medicine, I'm feeling really strange. And and then the next thing I remember, I, I woke up at a hospital and they'd given me charcoal and, right. mm-hmm. you know, um, and be, when you when you try to do something like that, they automatically put you into a, a mental hospital. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I got sent to Havenwick, which was just hell on earth. I mean, just a horrible. So I started to get wrapped up into the mental uh, health situation. They were saying, oh, you're ADD, you're ADHD, sure. you have mm-hmm. this, you have that. Every different doctor had a different guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, something wrong with your brain, it's blah, blah, blah. We'll give you this medicine, we'll give you that medicine. And God bless my parents' hearts. They were trying their hardest. Right. They were trying their hardest. Uh, but they didn't meet a doctor who said uh, something like, there's nothing wrong with him. He just needs to be raised differently. He needs a different type of exercise activity, sure. et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. So one day I woke up at five in the morning, and there were two huge, like six foot six, dudes standing in my room who said uh, get out of bed we're going to utah and i was like and i was really groggy i remember feeling really groggy and out of it i'm like what are you we're going to utah what's what's going on and how old were you at that point 15 wow they said get out of bed and and i mean these guys were big (laughs) and and my mom came in and yelled something and then left and looking back i remembered because when i woke up i felt uh like a sharp pain on my arm. And then I woke up and then I was really drowsy and out of it. So I'm pretty sure they shot me with Thorazine. And they said, we're taking you to Utah. And I said, well, can I, can I, uh, 
all right, I'm going to get my cigarettes. You know, I smoke cigarettes at 15. So when, to backtrack real quick, one of the things at AA, right? So so no one's drinking <laughs> or doing drugs, but everybody's but drinking smoking, caffeine right, and right. smoking. Oh, yeah, coffee, cigarettes, <laughs> Coke, Diet Coke. Yeah. So, so I was allowed to smoke cigarettes mm. when I was 15 and uh, because it was better than right drinking and doing drugs. Sure. So... Um, I kept asking these guys for my cigarettes. They're like, well, we'll stop on the way to the airport and get you a pack. You know? And they said, look, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. We can lock you in the car for 20 hours or more while we drive from here to Utah. Wow. Or you can cooperate and we'll take an airplane and we'll be there in just a few hours. He said, it's a really great place. You're going to love it. You know, it's a beautiful school. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I'm a 15-year-old kid. I'm like, okay, sure. You know, can mm-hmm. I smoke there? Yeah, you can smoke there, you know. Okay. Right. Can I get some cigarettes on the way to the airport? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> wow, they're very accommodating. Smoking, right? Yeah, guys. Guys. we'll get you some smokes. Right, yeah. right. Looking in hindsight, they were way too accommodating, and uh, sure enough, they never stopped to let me get cigarettes. We ended up going to the to, to the airport, and I remember specifically being on the airplane and flying and realizing, I everything I knew, everyone I knew. It was all, all behind me. The whole situation I was in, I was out of, and there was this beautiful sunset. And you know, when you're up in the right. clouds yeah. and you see the skyscape and the cloudscape, just stunning. And for a moment, I felt this huge relief. Like, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm really glad to be out of where I was. Wow. And um, <laughs> that lasted until I got there. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> you had a little bit of it. You right. had a little bit of it. So <laughs> then reality hit. Then reality hit. And some of you who are listening might have heard of some of these schools that kids get sent to. They get picked up in the middle of the night. Have you guys ever heard of these yeah. programs? Mm-hmm. You know, sent out to the wilderness or sent to a lockdown facility. Right. So that's what this thing was. It was in Provo, Utah. It was a school called Discovery Academy. And um, it was a very, very, very horrible place. You know, so as soon as I got there, they take your belt and your shoelaces and put you on what they call um, a level zero. So you could be a zero to a four plus. Four plus has all the all of the benefits of could walk outside and, you know, can have a little part-time job and a zero can't go anywhere without a counselor and you can't have anything on you. I mean, it was profoundly uh, demeaning. Um, And of course the school turned out to be an incredibly abusive situation. In fact, several of the therapies quote unquote that they were using for us became outlawed in Utah as abusive isolation therapies, things like this. But it was at that school where one of my teachers handed me Carlos Castaneda's Journey to Ixlan. Mm, and Journey, a book. Yeah, Carlos Castaneda's Journey to Oaxaca or a Fire from Within. And when I first got Journey to Ixlan, I opened it and I didn't put it down until I had read every single page. I remember because at nine o'clock at night, the lights would be shut off and you couldn't read anymore. Mm. So I got up and went to the bathroom and I read this book in the bathroom all night. Wow. 
and just devoured his materials. And of course, they talked about lucid dreaming practices is one of the things that Carlos Castaneda's work is really well known for. So as you can imagine, as a young kid who's locked in this facility, can't call people I know. I write letters, but my letters are getting edited, so they black out things that they don't want other people to read. Incoming letters to me are being blacked out. So, I mean, I'm very isolated. So the desire to escape to leave, to get away, was really profound for myself and a few of my friends. Uh, So this promise that I read about in Carlos Castaneda that, you know, through lucid dreaming, you could enter all the astral realm and you could travel and you could have that freedom. I approached that practice with the kind of zealousness, the kind of urgency that a young man would who was locked away and wanting to escape sure Mm. so every night i'd go to i'd be practicing throughout the whole day looking at my hands asking myself am i dreaming because that was one of the techniques Mm. to look at your hands throughout the day and try and get the that thought rolling in your mind stream am i dreaming am i dreaming so that by the time dreaming comes the momentum of that thought in your mind stream appears in the dream state and then you're in the dream state and you go am i dreaming and Boom. Wow. You pop up and you wake up. And th- that's one of the processes. That's one of their techniques. And I had a lot of experiences at that time, a lot of very unusual experiences with that dreaming. That was the, ve- I would say. That was the gateway. I would say that, yeah, there were other things earlier in my life, but that was absolutely the big door opening. Got it. Uh, I ultimately escaped that school. I was the only kid to ever successfully escape that school and not get caught. So well, I feel like I'm listening to like the escape from Alcatraz yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. So you actually ran away or just got away. I tried a few. There was several escape attempts done by several students. I was a part and an accomplice to several of them. One included stealing a car and this couple boyfriend, girlfriend drove to Vegas and I was, you know, up all night snorting Ritalin because they used to give us medicine and we would we learned how to cheek you call it cheeking our medicine so we would learn how to cheek the medicine in the upper or lower parts of your gums or some guys knew how to suck the pill up into their sinus cavity because they would give you medicine and then they'd make you stick your tongue out and show them that you would swallow yeah. it I mean it's wow. just disgusting horrible way to treat children but you know we got creative and innovative and mm-hmm. we were just going to gather right. our Ritalin and crush it all into a pile and have a party one night mm-hmm. and just you know Try to find that that uh, that that escape, and I remember that couple got caught. They they got to Vegas, but they got caught. I served three hundred and fifty demerits for that. They got. I think Jason Shopper, if you're listening, and I'm gonna link Jason Shopper <laughs> to this podcast. Uh, he's the one that that ran. I, I, he got many many more than that. But a demerit was standing and staring at a wall for twenty five minutes. Wow. You couldn't look around. You had to have your nose like an inch from the wall. And what wow. year what year was this? Well, I was fifteen. I'm thirty five, so that's twenty years ago. Wow. So was it ninety five? I yeah. guess ninety five, yeah, ninety five. So when you had that many demerits, they would put you in what they called ISU, intensive supervision unit, which was hilarious because <laughs> you're in a six by six white room with white carpet, white walls, and a mattress. No pillow, no blankets. And you wake up and you stand demerits. Mm-hmm. So you stand five of these 25-minute ones at a time with a five-minute break in between. 
and you have 15 minutes for lunch and then you have 15 minutes before bed and you do that every day until you've served all of those demerits. Yeah. Now, looking back on it, had they just taught us meditation, <laughs> it would have been, yeah. been, yeah, we would have been enlightened masters. Exactly. <laughs> just concentrate on your breath. Right. No Bring on the demerits, baby. <laughs> I'll take a demerit. Right. I kind of want a demerit right now. <laughs> That's right. Right. So, so but, I'm just trying to paint a picture as to, and, and you are, and what's great is because this it's really an alignment of what we're doing here and what we're teaching is what I'm hearing is we're hearing a man on his journey and the experiences of that journey coming to a place which we'll discuss, which is purpose. But why I looked at Johnny is you, it was a book. It was a book that opened you up. And that's one of the practices we teach at spiritual fitness well, that's what happened to you. Right? Well, that, well, yeah. For me, it was the alchemist. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, Policy, yeah, yellow, yeah. When I was 29, when I was searching, when I was doing everything right, when I got in my life, I made, I was contemplating take my place, uh, my life in my mid 20s. I changed my life around. I had a booming business in Chicago, making a lot of money, my own business. I was married. I had a kid. I was looking around. Why am I not happy? Uh-huh. And then I opened up that book uh-huh. and that started me at, then that, it, that happened to me at the age of 29, but I started asking the question, who am I? Uh, and then it kind of just evolved from that where I just book after book after book after yeah, book, spiritual yeah. and personal development. Yeah. And so that's why um, I could totally resonate with you, you know, reading that book. And, you know, one of the things we, we teach here at the Spiritual Fitness is, is to find something that inspires you and just read for 20 minutes a day, whatever that may be. Yeah. And you know, that could be very powerful. And I know you're a reader cause you, just in from your bio and your studies to get to, to where you are today. I mean, I, I mean, do you read, do you still read or? Oh, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've gone through different periods in my life. You know, when I was a young man in school, I, I didn't read. I, I was in the turtle, you yeah. know, in the groups, we had reading groups in first grade, like the Hawks oh, yeah. and the Eagles and the Panthers. I was in the turtle group. <laughs> I, I would have been there right so, with you. I, I never thought I was a very good reader, but, no. but I was fortunate to actually inherit a huge library from Robert Thibodeau after the second Mayflower bookstore fire. I know Robert very well. Yeah. So Robert, uh, I, my, my wife at the time and I, we would go and help him clean books and, oh, and he was great. just giving us, you know, thousands and thousands of books. So... Yeah, absolutely. I poured poured through countless books. Um, and, you know, I'm giving you this background story because to me, I think I'm hoping that there's some people who are listening to this who, who, who can connect to this yes. type of story. There's a lot of abuse in the mental wellness professional field. Um, and, you know, we went through some really interesting things and they were all very formative in, in what culminated to become a major, major experience for me. Uh, so I, I, it's a whole long story how I escaped this place, mm-hmm. but I escaped it. And then people were hired again to come and get me. Uh, but this time I was 16 years old and I weighed 210 pounds. I was benching 280 pounds and we mm. were training in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and we fought each wow. other all the time. Mm. So I, I had gone from being a little kid to being, yeah, being a man, being a, being yeah. a pretty tough dude. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if emotionally I wasn't a man, but well, physically, physically, yeah. physically yeah, yeah, was yeah. a man. 
And so um, I hurt the two guys that came to get me the second time. Mm -hmm. uh, there were 13 police officers came and I split this one fellow's forehead open and I was a I was freed because at 17 years old in the state of Michigan you're not a juvenile you're not a adult you're in this limbo ground so unless there's a court order for your arrest no one can do anything the police can't do anything it was unbelievably off the hook and just like you Chris I'm also and, and been in the process for a long time of writing a book and going mm. more into detail on right. onto this part of the story because it's really wild but I came out of that school having escaped it so but I had also lost all my connection to my to my immediate family. I was mm -hmm. totally, they said, you know, especially after what happened mm -hmm. with the second attempt mm -hmm. to try and get me back and that failed. So things with my parents were just, and my sisters, my brother, of course, and I stayed close, but my nucleus family, that was severed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, first it was cut off on the plane ride to Utah and then it was another cut off. And so, and I thought I had come to, really deep understandings about spirituality and I understood this and this and that and uh, my grandmother I would say the, the the most powerful transformational experience would have been my grandmother's death so that book that one book mm -hmm. the, then all of those other experiences and then I watched my grandmother die and we had very very close conversations as she was dying uh, and I can't explain it in any other way than at that time I had the complete crystal clear realization of impermanence. So I used to tell people, oh, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. One day we're all going to die. You know, that's what I'm reading in the books. I'm just saying it. But sitting there with my grandma, it moved from a conceptual verbal idea sure. to a completely tangible, unshakable realization and it was unbelievably horrifying. It was the most terrifying experience in my life. So, you know, you hear people, stories about Kundalini awakening or blissful this or that, you know, mm -hmm. it was not that, it was not that, but there were tremendous energetic real, uh, releases stemming from my upper back and shooting through my whole body that would go on and on for months and months, uh, crippling panic attacks, I couldn't see when they would come. I couldn't see, I couldn't hear, I couldn't talk. Uh, I was suffering from the, the, the feeling that at any moment I was going to die. And it wasn't like an idea. It was like, absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden I saw it like, this is really the truth. Yeah. And people would say, well, yeah, but you're young. You're, you're, you're 19 years old and you're at, and all of that was like, no, you don't get it. It's not like that literally the truth is at any moment you're out of here right mm -hmm. that's the truth mm -hmm. and um so it was like seeing the funeral of everyone and everything you've ever loved all at once and i mean i've i i cried for a year straight it was the people wow. who were close to me probably were getting ready to put me back into a mental hospital mm-hmm and then someone gave me the book, uh, the Tibetan book of living and dying. And mm. when I read that book, that, uh, that was the first time that the tears of you know, that kind of mental anguish was like, there was nothing that could solve it. That was also clear to me. Dying wouldn't help. Killing myself wouldn't stop it. Mm -hmm. There was right. just, this was the desert. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And when I read the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying, it was as if I was reading something I had known my whole life but could never articulate. Mm. And that's when the tears turned from anguish to a type of gratitude that I can't put words around. Like, it was just clear. There was no point. No point to life other than this enlightenment, than finding this realization. Absolutely nothing. No accumulation of name, fame, physical gain, because it was clear that the, the realization of impermanence makes that one really clear. It's right. useless. So that... And then the Tibetans also are very clear that that realization of impermanence is really important in helping someone generate the inner urgency to practice mm. meditation with profundity. You know, yeah. if you think you're going to die at any moment, uh, you are on the hustle to, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to yeah. not die the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So I then moved into what I would call a frantic, you know, mania-based practice. You know, I mean, hours and hours of meditation a day and eating nothing but white rice and maybe a little bit of soy sauce and, you know, every meditation I could study and write, as, as you mentioned, Chris, about books, mm-hmm. every book on Tibetan Buddhism, I could find every great Rinpoche, all the great teachers, mm-hmm. studying, practicing and um, began having immediate experiences with each of these practices, immediate, uh, where the, you know, I, I started experiencing some little tiny results. Um, and it was very clear to me that the urgency especially later on, especially now at this point in my life, that those realizations occurred because of the intensity of the urgency that I felt, right. mm-hmm. which produced a one-pointed focus, like very strong focus. Mm-hmm. And as you read about in all meditation, which is why we were talking earlier, and you said before you got, Chris, before you got into spirituality, you were in the corporate world, mm-hmm. and you were a type A personality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and as I pointed out to you, all of those qualities that are needed in the corporate world are very, very important spiritual yes. qualities. Yes. Those people have profound levels of focus and discipline. It's just a matter of what we're focusing on. Yes. Right. Yes. So when you get into the spiritual world, you sure as shit, excuse me. Oh, I didn't. That, that's oh, that's okay. We let it's it fly. All right. Great, 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 great. <laughs> it goes, man. You can, you can be spiritual and swear, man. Right. It's that's all right. good. Okay. It's all good. <laughs> it's fine. Right. So you, 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 you definitely don't want to lose that. Some people right. think, well, now I'm spiritual, oh, so no. I'm going to become unfocused and undisciplined. No. I honestly look at some corporate executives, and in my mind, I think, well, these people are way more advanced than me because... They have their discipline and their focus on lockdown. That's the hardest damn thing to acquire and gain if you don't have it. And I'm glad, and that's kind of why we started this pod. And that's why the, the terminology we're bringing out to mainstream is spiritual fitness. So to your point is the education of 
you know, we all have our unique experiences and there's really no right or wrong way. It's just finding out the way that works for you, but you need to have practices in place that you're doing daily. If it's meditation, prayer, read, affirmations, mantras, yoga, Tai Chi, you need to bring that into your life. And there is a balance where you could be in the corporate world or whatever work you're doing in the spiritual world and bring that together. Like yeah. you, you, want, you don't have to be one without the other. You could be spiritual and run a company. You could be spiritual, work at Starbucks. You could be spiritual and, you know, do be doing anything anywhere. Yeah, it's, you know, what we're trying to do is to develop very specific mental qualities. Mm-hmm. And and the reason I use the, the name dance meditation technique, and in the facilitator training that I offer, I call them DM techs, technicians. And I tell them, like, you're not a teacher. I'm not a teacher. You're not, I mean, someone could say you are. I'm using, being a little bit of, a, you know, rhetorics here, but... We're technicians. Technicians are working with techniques to produce certain results. If you're not getting the result, try a different technique. Right. So, um, you know, this, this experience and the subsequent things that happened resulted in me, A, I wanted to move to the Himalayas, and that, that was certain. I was moving to a Buddhist monastery in the Himalayas and finding my teacher, right. and I mean, that was it. That, that was it, That yeah. was it. Well, <laughs> I ended up becoming a dad instead. Yeah, yeah, I ended right, up getting my, right. my girlfriend <laughs> yeah, pregnant. Right. So you're here. You're not going. Right. Uh, you, can't, you can't get away, Michael. Right. <laughs> Universe is not going to let you get away. You've got to be here and you've got to deal with it and yeah. work with it. That's yeah. right. Maybe, right. maybe right. you know, I, 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 at this stage yeah. of my life, I'm very careful about, like, you know, what I say in terms of, well, a vision this or a this right. or that. But, but, but I did have the sense that maybe I'd spent too many lifetimes in a cave mm-hmm. and it was like out of the cave right. in, into the world right um but maybe that's not the case you know maybe i was just a, a goldfish well, for the past know, we're years. so alike because i wanted to do the same thing too but one of my mentors mm-hmm. said is wait you want to go to the himalayas too? oh yeah i, I was know. ready to go especially everything that was going down with me but same thing i have three kids you know you get was that but, just like last year, you want to go to Himalayas? When, when I was going through my year of meditation and okay. deep practice, that was where I wanted to go. Okay. And, but as I mentioned, that I've had a really tight spiritual mentor over the years, and she really hit home with me and said, Chris, you would still be running. You right. were meant to do the work here in the life that you're living. So. It'd be like, oh, dude, the Himalayas, just hang out with some monks or some Buddhists. But no, you're a father. You have three children. You've been in the world of business. Start bringing this all together and bring it in a way where you can still have this experience of continuing to grow spiritually and challenge yourself in all boundaries, but operate in the world from day to day. Yeah. You know, and I think what's great why we have Michael here is your dance meditation technique is just what you said. What we what we say is another tool for someone's toolbox to explore another avenue to get to know themselves in a way where they feel like they're making progress. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I think that from what I'm hearing for yourself, you've created the life or you're in, still in the process, we're always in the process of creating a life that works for you. 
and all the knowledge and all your experiences brought you to a place where you found this practice, what, four years ago? Did you, when, did you, uh, when did the dance meditation technique start? Was it? So, well, that's a, or, well, that, I'll answer that question in sure. a second because it's a little more to okay. it. Okay. Yeah. But that's where I was going is yeah. all our life experiences bring us to a point where of what we talked about purpose, like everything we have in our life is purposeful, every past experience. And when we get to a place where we're grateful from where we came from and the experiences that we had and the upbringing that we had, and just know that there is a, whatever one's belief system, universe, God, higher power has put us through that to recognize that so we can bring out and share our light to the world Yeah, is the, is the gift. That's right. And to be in awareness of that and to have that gift. Yeah. There's a prayer. I remember reading it. Uh, I was reading this one Tibetan Lama's book. I forget his name, but I got not, I was at the uh, Shaman Drum bookstore in Ann Arbor. Okay. Yeah. You know that one? Yeah. yeah. I used to curl up in the little spiritual section over there and just bunker down for a long time. I remember getting so nauseous when I read this, I thought I'd throw up on the floor. And it was this prayers of this Lama where he was just praying to be reborn into the hell realms. And that was the first time I had encountered those kinds of prayers and that kind of thinking. That these great teachers had developed their love wisdom to a point where they had no interest in being in heaven and leaving everyone else behind. That, that was not, that's not heaven. It's not heaven if I get to go to the party, but you guys are stuck in hell. Mm-hmm. That's not heaven. So they're, they're dying and asking to be reborn in the, 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 the hardest realms so right. that they can bring the help, right. so they can yeah. help. It was just so beautiful wow. and yeah. so nauseating at the same time. And now, you know, here we are in Detroit, Michigan. I used to joke with my friends, you know, oh, I wish I could be in Hawaii or I wish I could be in the Hill. No, I read, I don't want to be anywhere other than where I am. I love this place. Dude. Yeah. High I, five, I, baby. I, I, this well, is the place to be. It's not made in Detroit. We live in Detroit, baby. <laughs> it's wherever you are. It you know, is. some people might hear this and be like, well, I want to move to Detroit because they say it's where, no, 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 no. Yeah. Wherever you are is where it is. Right. So, you know, the, you know, here I am trying to do all these meditations. You know, I'm frantically trying to do these meditations. I'm practicing every day and watching the breath and shamatha this, vipassana stuff that, and mantra stuff this. And as I'm sitting and doing them, it's like, you know, I'm having experiences, but I'm also, it's just absolutely difficult. You know, I mean, incredibly oh, difficult sure. to sit still for three hours. You know, I'm just shaking. And I met through my who was my mother-in-law at the time absolutely magnificent woman she's a famous artist famous world famous gardener her gardens have been on hgtv i'm her i'm the only apprentice to her in gardening world and um i've built and designed gardens for 15 years yes. it's my main source of income that's part of the imagine do thing but um she found this woman named safi uh, who was from the Czech Republic and was teaching at a place in Lake Orion called Indian Hills. You guys, you know where Upland Hills is? In, yes. Um, okay, so Indian Lake Road, that's right there. That lake, we were mm-hmm. on that. She had a little wood cottage with a stone fireplace. And when I met her, 
I immediately liked her. I mean, immediately felt a connection to her. And uh, she was an Olympic gold medalist from the Czech Republic, a downhill skier. Uh, she's a famous artist from there. She defected from the Czech Republic. Her husband was one of the first hockey players to leave communist Czechoslovakia to play for the Detroit Red Wings. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, Vaclav Nedeminsky. Uh, and very worldly woman, very elegant, very artistic woman. And she was very, very, very incredibly skillful. She was trained in Shivananda Yoga, in Qigong and Tai Chi. She was a, a senior student of Gabriel Chin. Are you guys familiar with Gabriel Chin? No. no. Oh, he... I mean, there's just so much to talk about. I don't even know where we can go with this. But Gabriel was one of the most well-known, if not the most well-known, Tai Chi and Qigong healer in Ann Arbor. For 40 years, he taught for free, never charging a penny. Mm. Opera singer, master chef, master gardener, spoke 13 dialects of Mandarin, was a professor at U of M. Wow. His accolades go on and on and on. She was one of his students for 14 years. And she would weave together classes that combined yoga, dance, tai chi, qigong, pranayama. Mm. Every class was different. Mm -hmm. And they were sometimes an, uh, uh, two hours. They were never less than an hour and a half, but two, sometimes three hours. And we were going three, four days a week. And I started for the first time in my meditation experience. I remember the first time it happened in particular. I opened my eyes and the, everyone was gone. Everyone had left. She's over at the desk writing. And I thought, what, I, what, what, what happened, you know? And an hour had passed. I had become so quiet and centered that the thought of getting up didn't arise. Mm -hmm. And what she was introducing to me was that for the Western mind, there's too much emotional disturbance to sit and meditate. Those practices that were taught and generated in the East were for people who had very different cultures and lifestyles than us. They could sit still because they had so much physical activity. Mm -hmm. They had emotional turmoil, but it was a different kind than we deal with. And releasing all of that physical activity, she called her program transforming tension into creativity. Now at the time, I never considered myself artistic, poetic, musical. I was a jock, I was a sports guy. That's what I, you know. And then all of a sudden, through the course of working with her for three years and going on several retreats with her, all of a sudden poetry just started showing mm, up. Wow. Music started showing up. The artist. Up. Oh, that just, you know, it started to become the, and then it dawned on me, oh, this is why she calls this transforming tension into creativity. That's literally what this thing does. I, and, and I approached her and my other teachers with that urgency that I wanted to become, that was enlightened. I wanted to understand that was it. I didn't want to teach what they were. I had no, zero interest in teaching. Or even the idea that one day I would teach this never crossed my mind. I mean, my teachers were so advanced to me their elegance, their beauty. Gabriel, Gabriel Chin, I mean, I used to sit and listen to him. He would sing songs in Chinese and just cry because mm. it was so beautiful. Right. And it was like, well, this man mm. is so incredibly beautiful. So as you can imagine, and this, the picture I'm painting, that my time with Safi for those three years was absolutely 
profound. Mm -hmm. And and at the same time, I began spending a lot of time with Gaelic Rinpoche and his community in Ann Arbor. Um, he is one of the major influences on me. Uh, Ama, who you might have heard of, the hugging saint from India. We've mm -hmm. been seeing Ama for the past 15 years. A lot of different teachers started to come into the picture, but at one retreat in particular with Safi, I had a specific realization as to how the principles of what she was teaching worked. And from that point forward, every other spiritual path I studied, I could see the same principles all there. It was like all of a sudden I could see it totally clearly. Um, and I had an inkling at that moment that one day I'd probably end up teaching this. But it was 10 years later, right? in 2009, when I did the first one. Okay. I'm skipping a lot of stuff, but I... So she was, so she brought you into this. Part of what she taught was a, the dance, med, or the moving meditation, or was it dance meditation? If you had gone to her class today, and then you went to my class tomorrow, you wouldn't know how I got what I do from what she did. Got it. Okay. But... If you took her class a hundred times and you took my class once, you would understand how I got DMT from what she did. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. So the principle of the thing, it's like boiling water. You know, you need 212 degrees, you need water and you need a container and you need fire. You need heat rather. Right. You can do it a number of different ways, but there is a there's a principle to it. And with the human mind getting us to the boiling point of love wisdom, total love wisdom mind uh, has certain principles that are always going to be there in the human mind. Well, I shouldn't say always. I don't know that actually, but they're here now for sure. Mm -hmm. So, so you broke. So it sounds like just let me see if I can put this into words you studied with her for three years you said yeah and through that practice and that study and then over the course of time because it took you a while before you created the dance meditation technique you somehow broke down the lessons that she provided and you I don't know how you replayed them or whatever however you manifested them into whatever the core principles are to make the dance meditation technique. Yeah. You could think of it like my time with her was like a lot of seed planting. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and once she left, I did a lot of study with Gaelic Rinpoche, Ama. I lived at the Detroit Zen center for a year and practiced with the Zen monks. I spent a ton of time with the people from song in the morning, self-realization fellowship group. Um, Christian groups. I, mm -hmm. I just was out there, everything, just understanding, practicing, digesting, and those seeds were growing. So it started to become more and more and more clear over time. Sure. And I got the privilege of getting to manage. Have you guys ever heard of Motor City Funk Night? No. The original Motor City Funk Night? Oh my gosh. So this, this is the most notorious longest lived 
well-known event in Detroit's history ever. It's called the Motor City Funk Night. And it was well, we must be out of it because well, I've never I, heard of it. I that. figured you would have. No, he's, <laughs> he's in the music big time. Yeah. Okay. It's, 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 it's not you know, globally known, but right. John, one of John Oliver's, um, you know, John Oliver last week tonight, you know, he, yeah. he, he did a little section on, on something that happened at a funk night, but uh, it was the last Friday of every month, and by very odd circumstances, I ended up managing the event and bringing it from underground because they kept getting arrested in the warehouses at that time when the casinos were coming in the way they the casino from what i understand a, a task force a wayne county task force was formed to break down after Artie's after hours uh, parties and of course that would drive more business to the casinos so funk night was just i mean the last one we did was at uh, the detroit elevator workshop there were like three thousand people there it was wow. unbelievably <laughs> incredible and of course it got broken up but you know here i am and i was a dad at the age of 21 i i, I got got uh, their mother pregnant at 20 and was a father at 21 and i and i had my own companies and my own business and then at 29 i'm single and for the first time seeing a party with more than 25 people, it's funk night. And there's thousands of people in a dingy warehouse and $50,000 worth of sound equipment and a dance floor that's, you know, 500 people are in. And it was so amazing to see, so amazing to be a part of. So I used to negotiate all the, the deals with Funk Night in the Majestic Theater. And then okay, I would be okay. on site to implement the, the contract, make sure everything went well. And um, Frank Rains, who is the CEO of Funk Night Records and the, the founder of Funk Night, became a good friend of mine. He just, you know, took me under his wing and taught me a lot about events and parties. And I just learned a ton. And I started thinking, you know, it be then it really started to dawn on me. Like, wow, there are 2,000 people on this dance floor. And the only people dancing to this amazing music are about maybe 200. And every one of them is super wasted. So people are having to get so intoxicated to have this release. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that their dance floor was like better or worse. It's its own kind of voodoo, you know? That kind of event has got its own beautiful sure. magic. But I saw very clearly how I could format those principles into uh, synthesizing the night out with yoga, a yoga class, seamlessly. And to be able to give people the natural high that we want. So I look back on my life and all my attempts at getting high. And I look at all the people who, all of our friends, we all know people who drink or do pot or, you know, enjoy this or that. We, there's something in us that wants a natural high. And I believe that part of us is actually longing for the, the real natural high that's our inheritance of being very just vividly alive. So... DMT came through this and in 2009 I did the very first one at the Skyloft in Royal Oak DJ Frank Rains was the DJ there was 30 people that showed up Frank told me that was the most fun he'd ever have DJing and I thought are you kidding there was only 30 people he's used to DJing for right, thousands of right. people but everybody was participatory you know the way that this it was the vibration in the room. The and there was no alcohol or anything? No at the alcohol. Time? Right. No alcohol. Right. No drugs. Now, I did I stopped doing it after that event because I had done that specifically to impress my ex-wife, who I was trying to actually win back at the time. So my motivation for doing that was not in the right place. And consequently I was very drained and tired afterwards. So 
And at that time, I began working with uh, Dr. Ora Glosser, who is um, an internationally published author in Shambhala Sun, Tricycle Magazine. She's the co-founder of Jewel Heart International. Um, she's a scholar, uh, very, very well-known, uh, what they call the Jew booze, the Jewish Buddhists. Um, she's I've never heard of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a Jew and the Lotus is a wonderful book to read for those of you who feel connected to Buddhism and Judaism. Judaism is a very, very powerful presence in my life as well. So I began working with her in therapy once a week for four and a half years, and she really guided the development of dance mm. meditation technique. In Ann Arbor, she's considered a very, very highly respected spiritual figure. Um, and, and in the country, I mean, in terms of authors and these types of magazines, very, very well respected. And uh, I consider... Her and Safi, the, my prime, the primary influences mm -hmm. in guiding the development of dance meditation techniques. Safi planted all the seeds with her teacher, Gabriel. Aura, uh, Gaelic Rinpoche and Ama provided so much substance, and it was Aura that really helped refine it. So she, I would come to her with every question I had about integrity situations or people want me to try this, and she just constantly held the mirror. And, and I think, I mean, would you, would you go as far as saying these people were spiritual mentors for you? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I mean to, to me, I yeah, mean, I mean, you know, if we were in teachers, India. Teachers, mentors. Yeah, I mean, Aura to me is, you know, if you, you could use, you know, what's a guru other than, you know, what would you define a guru as someone who leads you from darkness to light, someone right. who can enlighten something. Right. Uh, to me, there are different levels of spiritual teachers. Like mm -hmm. the three of us are teaching each other something right now in this podcast. Right. We're right. all teaching each other. But then there's these levels of beings that you meet yes. that inspire such a depth of devotion. And I've recognized them in my life as the more that time passes the deeper my appreciation and devotion for them becomes. And that, to me, is the indicator that these are the primary, in Tibet, what they call the root gurus. Mm -hmm. You know, you have all your other gurus, and then you have your root gurus. Mm -hmm. In our culture, what do we call them? Mentors, like yep. you said, coaches. Yep. Right. And that's where, you know, to educate the audience, as is, 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 is one goes down this path, that recognize the right people will come in your life at that right time. And they're out there. And to your point, it's there's different levels of teachers, different levels of spirituality. But just putting out there that you're going down this path, you you want to grow, you want to learn more. The right people will come in your life. The right people it, will it, come in your life. And I want to add to that, Chris, for those of you guys who are still listening and not bored to tears with everything I'm rambling about. <laughs> this is not boring the, at the, all. The, I'm like the, so into this the, right yeah. now. The the the. When you look for your teachers, my recommendation is, is try to meet as many spiritual teachers as you can and approach each of them with tremendous, tremendous discernment. There is an epidemic of nonsense in the New Age community of, you know, judgment-free. You know, it's judgment-free. It's, you know, because this person's wearing a robe, they know something. No, mm. they might not know anything. That robe might be nothing but bait uh, and they're a predator mm -hmm. you have to maintain your discernment and real teachers will respect that right, right. and they will their the, the depth of their realization is more powerful than your skepticism so it will eventually 
cause the skepticism to just fade of its own accord. I think that's a great point because, mm-hmm. you know, I between you two, I'm like the layman spiritual guy here. But I think the skepticism is important for people that are exploring this space because, like I, we were talking earlier before, on, on the earlier segment that I just went to a holistic wellness fair. And some people were seemed a little hokey but some people i was like i was like oh okay i've got something you've got something to teach me here and i think to have that i think it's people need to be feel okay to be a little skeptical because i think people like me i'm like well i should should i just open my heart to this or should i be a little skeptical or how should i how do i know that this is for me and that this is true and genuine Open heart, in my opinion, this thought arose to me earlier today as I was coming here. An open heart, and particularly when people say Mm open-mindedness. Open-mindedness means that whatever feelings and thoughts are arising in you, you're open to them. Mm -hmm. You allow them. So if you're around a spiritual, quote-unquote, a spiritual teacher, and the thoughts arising in your mind that this guy's full of shit, you allow that thought, and you honor it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's open-mindedness. Not, oh, this person. I was at a festival once. I was invited to do a DMT at a festival called Wampa Palooza, and it's built itself as a transformational festival. So I'm like, whatever, I'll go. <laughs> it was. It was. It was not a transformation. <laughs> transforming to something else. I mean, right. you know, right? I, right, I, I, it wasn't what I thought, and there was so many people so screwed up on drugs, but. There was this one workshop that a friend of mine led, uh, and she had such a sweet meditation she gave. She's a very young lady at the time, maybe 20, and she had a group of like 20 people, and she led this very beautiful, sweet guided meditation. Then this other woman walks by, and as soon as this other older woman walked by, I could just, I, my sense right away was, oh, what's this? She says, oh, I don't mean to interrupt, but I just want to let everybody know here that um, I'm going to be leading an ascension workshop at you know in 20 minutes over at this other stage and i thought okay you didn't mean to interrupt but you did interrupt so first of all the first things out of your mouth are garbage right first thing out of your mouth is a mixed message you're speaking on both sides of your mouth i'm going to interrupt but i don't know you do mean to interrupt you should have said uh, may i interrupt uh, additionally or may i say so right off the bat she's showing signs of someone who's not uh, who's hiding their motivation then she leaves but then comes back in circles and sits in the group and it comes time to q and a session question and answer session and someone asks a question someone else asks a question then this woman raises her hand (laughs) she 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 starts asking the question and then turns her question into her discourse Oh, so, so she, she made a pitch. She makes oh, a pitch, oh, and yeah. then she's trying to transform that into. That's turning. the Chris Forte I know. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> right. That, that, <laughs> I'm, just saying, I'm sorry, I'm just saying. He's, he's bringing up the business. Okay, days. all right, he's, all right. He's, that's, 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 <laughs> he's bringing up the business days. So let's be clear: yes. in the business world, in that's business a skillful world. tactic. Yes. yes. In, in the spiritual healing arts <laughs> world, if you see someone doing that, you need yeah. to run the other way. And and this, she starts talking and trying to turn this friend of mine's workshop into her workshop. And then this comes out of her mouth. She says, I'm a Palladian from the, you know, and I thought, oh my God, this woman is, you are so full of shit. And you're in front of a group of 20 year olds who are believing you because they're high 
or drunk right. or gullible yeah, because they're caught up in this, oh, judgment-free, we all love each other. There aren't predators. No, there are predators all around you all the time. And here's one of them claiming to be a lamb. And what I, I'm ashamed to say this. What I wanted to do was stand up and say, either you bring your spaceship down here to prove to us <laughs> you are a Pleiadian or you need to leave because this is disgusting. What did you do? I stood up, looked at everybody and walked away. Okay. And my friend, she was like, I can't believe you did that. That was so rude. And I said, I can't believe I didn't protect everybody by saying that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. You're a plating, you're a outer space. Are you fucking kidding? Like if someone's going to say something like that, they need to back it up. So you have so many people. I have been around so many spiritual teachers. Mm-hmm. I have been around so many spiritual communities. There are so much incredible, dangerous garbage. Mm-hmm. The old Tibetan tradition, the old Indian tradition, those people valued discernment. They valued debate. Sure. They were not suckers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those were highly critically thinking people. And that is what is required. Go and see as many spiritual teachers, go to as many yoga yeah. classes, take as many things and approach it with discernment like a scientist. Yes. And assume that, you know, oh, I might be able to eloquently say this or that, or I created DMT and it's got some great accomplishments, but you know, I'm still addicted to caffeine. I can still be an asshole at home. <laughs> you know, I'm human. Right. And they're human too. Right. That's right. for right. sure. Right. Right. Yep. That, that's. Yep. And exactly. And it's just, you know, we all have the ability to build the, the right tools for our toolbox, surround ourselves with the right people. And, um, and I think, you know, I kind of want to, let's dive into the actual practice. Yeah. The dance. Yeah. Cause I, I enjoyed it and people need to know about it. And, it's different. I'm one of those people that I didn't realize until probably my late thirties. I realized is I'm a moving meditator because yeah. I, I ran for years. Um, I've always been into physical fitness and, um, I do value the place of sitting still, but you know, for myself, I can only do it for 15, 20 minutes. Um, that's why I love yoga so much. Cause I mm-hmm. think it's the ultimate body, mind, spirit practice for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, when yeah. I'm, when I'm flowing, I'm yeah. moving and I get to that meditative state Yeah, and I felt that at the dance floor. And so uh, let's, let's talk about that experience. And then I kind of go into like my, my one experience with it because it was very, it was, it, it falls kind of in that. Yeah, well, we're talking about I'm really proud state. of it. So I'm going to brag for just a second to give a background sure. on it. So I've been teaching it regularly since 2011. It's become the most well-attended, well-known dance workshop of its kind ever in the Midwest that we've been able to find by far in the state of Michigan, getting sometimes as many as 120 people at the workshops to 60 or 50. And at the time when I started teaching it, I had no ambition to become a facilitator of anything. I was just so incredibly miserable in my own life. And I knew this practice was the only thing that ever brought me Joy and my my community, Safi, and they weren't here. She's in Hawaii. Hi, Safi. She's probably listening, going, maybe tisticking me if I'm not saying some things correctly. But so I wanted to start a group that we could all practice. Sure. Together. It's, you know, it's what Johnny said when he was on the show. He started teaching yoga because he wanted to practice. It yep. was really, yeah. it was, he said it was kind of selfish, but I wanted to practice with other people. So the only way I could do it was to teach other people. Yeah. There are so many similarities 
between what I do and what Johnny does is, is ridiculous. I, you know, I, I love Johnny, and uh, that's why I approached him to be my mentor in terms of building the brand for dance meditation technique because he's built the most successful yoga brand. Yeah. And, and, and he's a wonderful man. And I approached it the same way. I wanted a community to practice with because community practice is so much more potent. And I had no idea that to have 50 or 60 people at your workshop was like a big deal. Like I didn't realize that was hard to accomplish or I was just like, well, whatever. I mean, Frank had 2000 people at his event every Friday. This is nothing. Right. And um, then it started to dawn on me that, <clears throat> that that was not a usual thing. And, and, and then I started to learn some other hard lessons, but, but wonderful ones. So the technique is addressing some very basic realities. The first is, is that we're all pretty much terrified of each other, of each other. Everyone's scared of everyone else. And especially when we get into a healing arts workshop, <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. <laughs> people sign up to go to a healing arts workshop and it's like well love and bliss and light and all this crap mm -hmm. so people now i'm miserable and scared and i'm going to a place where i think i should be loving and light and blissful mm -hmm. so i'm trying to be these things but i'm not these things i'm closing myself i'm, I'm just making myself. shit up yeah. yeah i'm just just gonna putting on a fake facade i don't i think i should be loving so i'm going to be fake loving so, so much what they call everyone who's listening, look up spiritual bypassing, spiritual bypassing. That's when we have a pain or a wound that we don't know how to deal with. So we give it some grandiose title. So for example, I used to think I wasn't good with money because I was spiritual. That was my excuse. Well, I'm spiritual, so money doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> well, and then one of my teachers very gracefully pointed out that, you know, what it really was was a lack of respect for myself, mm -hmm. that I was hiding mm -hmm. with something I titled as a spiritual wonderfulness. Mm -hmm. This is so common. All of us are doing this. We're trying to protect our weaknesses. We don't know how to deal with them. We don't have a skill set how to work with this pain. So we put some jewelry on it. We put a little lipstick on it and we tell people it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's something special and wonderful. So people are coming to workshops and, and are really unaware of the reality that everyone's terrified of each other. You go to any club in the city of Detroit on a Friday or Saturday night, the best band that Detroit has, the best DJ that Detroit has, and I guarantee you, 90% of the people are not going to be moving. What they're going to be doing is sipping on their cup right. and bouncing right. and looking around and darting. And the eyes are darting around. Now, everyone right. who's listening, I want you to imagine the last time you saw a bird at a bird feeder and, you know, and it's grabbing a little bit of seed and then it's looking around and a little more seed and it's looking around. And what is it doing? It's looking for the hawk. It's looking for the cat. It's looking for the kid with the BB gun. Mm -hmm. That bird is coming from a place of wisdom. I'm not safe here. <laughs> I'm going to eat, but I, I seen other birds get whacked at this, at this yeah, bird feeder. Yeah, okay. So that person at the club, what are they doing? Yeah. The exact same thing. They're looking around. Is someone making fun of me? Do I look yeah. cool? Am I cool? Yeah. Am, am yeah. I? That's me, actually. <laughs> it's all of us. It's all of us. It's right, all of us. Right, right. It's all of us. You know, and, and, and that's our mind trying to protect ourselves. Right. So it's 
natural. It's normal. Our mind's trying to protect you. You're afraid of being made fun of. We're all afraid of being made fun of. That fear is wisdom because you will be made fun of and because you have been made fun of. That's why it's there. That bird is paying attention on the bird feeder because people get, birds get killed at that bird feeder. Sure. Mm -hmm. That's wisdom. So people say, oh, don't be fair. Be fearless. Be this and that. They tell you to dismiss these feelings, to, to negate them, to, to exercise them. But they're your wisdom. That's the basis right. of your wisdom. So you try to exercise that, exorcise, not, not, not lifting weights, but like, you know, the yeah. whole like, be gone, be rid of the demon, whatever. You can't. That's yep. wisdom. Yep. So I'm scared. It's not safe to dance here. Mm -hmm. Psychically speaking, it's not. Physically, yeah, probably you won't get beat up if you're at a club in Ferndale. Probably no one's going to beat you up. No. It could happen. It does happen. But, but there's a sense of lack of safety. More of them. But, you know, I'd rather get beat up than to be mentally beat up <laughs> or emotionally scarred. You know, right. my, my body will heal. Yeah. Sometimes right. you get that emotional scar, you get that mental scar. It takes yeah. a lot more for that to heal. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And because it's an intangible. So I tell everyone at the workshops, I think I mentioned this at the, at the one you were at. Mm -hmm. I say, how many people have been to a yoga class who's listening right now? Each of you. And I bet there's yoga teachers who are listening to me and there's healing arts teachers who listen. Listen, very careful to this part. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. how many of you are telling your students, let go, just let go, just be. This instruction is cruel. It's unreasonable and it's cruel. If they knew how to let go, they would. Who wouldn't? Right. So, oh, you have a mental pain. You, you're, you're suffering from heartache. Yeah, just let go. Well, how the fuck do I let go of it? Yeah, yeah. How, if I, I would have, thanks. I would have done that <laughs> if I could have done that. But what your yoga teacher who's skillful, a skillful yoga teacher won't tell you to let go. They'll say, take a deeper breath. Uh, square your shoulders up. Spread your fingers. Lift your toes. Breathe deeper into your belly. They will skillfully guide your mind towards something Focus. that result. You got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That results in let go of the other thing happening. Mm -hmm. So it's not that you need to let go. It's you need to pick up and hold on to the things that are worthy. Sure. When you're holding on to something, the thing you want, you have automatically let go of the other thing. Mm -hmm. So. I don't know where I was going with that. Well, I mean, well, I mean, I could, I could so, bring it. Well, I could bring it back because you know this is a small knit community. But when we had Johnny on, right, that's what he would say: is I bring people to their breath, right? And you know, by bringing people to their breath, you know, then they're doing the work. But I'm just here guiding them. You know, one breath, one movement. And I think that's what's fascinating about the dance meditation technique because it is about the breath but we're breathing a different way. So I, and I told Johnny what came to me right when we did that workshop is I said, Johnny, DMT is the counterpose to yoga. What we're doing is the counterpose to yoga. If you took all of yoga and called it one asana, this is its counterpose. Yoga's focusing on breath and form. We're focusing on sound and the formless. So if you're in a forward bend all the time, you need to get into a backbend. You'll, you'll hurt your body. And if you think about your, your physical, everyone listening, think about your physical practices, your yoga, your tai chi, your kickboxing, your pilates, your gym workouts. All of them are based on form. It's all a form-based practice. Mm -hmm. 
currently, this is the only formless practice that I know of where people have the, the opportunity to access formlessness. And uh, Johnny's very good about pointing that out. And, and you know, he, I'll be in his class and he'll come over and start yelling in my, you know, yelling like, because he sees I'm about to give up on something. Mm-hmm. And he's yelling, you know, go, 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 go. And boom, that, he's not saying let go. He's saying do this thing, oh, yeah. do this practice, right. breathe out. Right. And then as I do that with more intensity, I'm out of the mind. I'm right. present again. Yep. 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 So this is some of the foundations to the DMT. We don't, you know, I also tell people, if you, people say, well, is it a judgment? I, Center for Yoga accidentally marketed it. The, the workshop is a judgment-free space. And, and I, I sent a, a, a little note to that. It's, 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 there is no such thing as a judgment-free space unless there are no people there or everyone present has 100% control of their mind. Otherwise, everywhere you're going, the mind is just automatically judging. Right now, I'm judging myself. The mind's judging you guys. This podcast, your mind's doing the same thing, sure. right? It's just going. We're mm-hmm. not like, it's just like our heart's beating. You know, we're not making it happen. It's mm-hmm. just doing it. Right. People come to DMT, they're nervous. What is this? What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and by dealing with reality, reality is we're scared of each other. We're afraid of moving around each other. We're afraid of making sound around each other. So we focus specifically on, okay, now that I recognize this fear and honor it as wisdom, I don't want to get hurt. I'm trying to protect myself. Then basically I get everybody to agree to a truce, a psychic truce where we're all going to agree. No one's watching each other. No one's going to look at each other. No one's going to dance with each other. And every time you hear someone shout, you shout back. The fear of making sound around one another is based on, well, you know, I give the story of the guy at the bar. You know, there's a guy at the bar, there's music going on, everyone's dancing, and then your one buddy's like, woo, you know? And then everyone steps away from that guy, like, oh, we're not with him, you know? Like, right? So they don't want, who does he think he is? Who, you know, we were told from the time we were little, sit down and shut up. Sit down and be quiet. Sit down and be quiet. The DMT is the opposite world. It's the counterpost to yoga and it's opposite land. Get up, move, and make a ton of sound. There's nothing mystical about this practice. Think about it like a dog that's in a cage. If you leave a dog in a cage for a week and then you let it out and you try to train it, sit, roll over, paw, that dog won't listen to you. Right, right. Mm-hmm. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be chasing its tail and panting and clawing at the door. You right. need to let it out. Let it run for 10 miles, wash it, bathe it, feed it, hug it, love it. Then sit, roll over, paw. So before we try to sit and work with our mind, this incredibly subtle, elusive thing, we need to blow off all the steam because our minds and our hearts have been stuck in that cage for a long time. Sure. I had an 85-year-old woman come and she 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 just killed it she threw down so intensely for the whole time she came That's up to awesome me. she came up to me afterwards crying she said i've waited my whole life for this it's like she has been in that cage her whole life and she came to dmt and i said here's the latch 
And here's how you open that door. Go. Mm -hmm. And so each of us make this, uh, these agreements, these series agreements. And if you think it's simple, it's very difficult. You and I might agree, we're not going to watch each other. Mm. Let me ask you, Chris, we'll get to your experience there. Like, how many times did you find yourself looking around the room? I do yeah. it. I, I facilitate it. It still happens. My right. mind will still. Well, that's, that's, yeah. the, that's the practice, isn't right. it? You got that's it. The yeah, that's the technique. You got yeah. it. Yeah. So the, 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 the physical tension in yoga, like, uh, I can't get into a full splits yet in yoga. I can't even get probably even close to it. But I know it's tension in my hamstrings and my lower back and, and my Johnny and the other teachers tell me different techniques to work with that tension. And then of course, once you get past the tension, you get this amazing feeling. Mm -hmm. The tension that we address at DMT is all mental. Mm -hmm. The tension of I'm afraid to move around you because of you're gonna make fun mm -hmm. of me, that's tension. But the more that I practice the technique of keeping my attention within, as a byproduct, I just become free of it. Now, then what do we do about when you start thinking? We use a series of different cathartic movements. Do you remember that, yep. Chris? Yep. Different shaking and shouting. There's nothing mystical about that either. Other than if you shake your whole body very intensely and shout as loud as you can, it's very difficult to also think. Mm -hmm. That's it. I get it. Yep. This is a science. It's a technique. It's like a doorway out of the mind. Sure. You can't directly let go. But you can do things that the byproduct of doing them, the let go happens. Yep. And it becomes a knack. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then once you get the hang of the knack, it starts happening a lot. And you can take it to the outside. It, not even you take, it just starts happening. It just starts, it will just start pouring through everything. Your writing turns into poet. I tell people at the dances, movement allowed is dance. Movement allowed becomes dance. Sound allowed becomes song. Thoughts allowed becomes space. Yeah. If, mm -hmm. if you just allow someone to keep moving, they'll start dancing. Even if they swear to you, they have no rhythm or moves. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, it'll start coming. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it's interesting. So the couple things I I take away from this is one hearing the technique and hearing about the freedom it very reminds me i have a two-year-old and a four-year-old mm -hmm. and one of my favorite things to do is just to let them go and watch because i think that freedom that you're creating for adults very young children they have it because they haven't there's they have no judgment yet right. they don't they don't know what it's like to be made fun of they just think I'm doing this and this is great. I mean, if anything, you know, there are our greatest teachers. Yeah. And I mean, my wife and I, we will let them just go. And it brings, I mean, it, it's kind of that child. It's all of our inner child that we've over. I think you're right. The other point I want to make is that we live in this duality where we are constantly pushing down our natural feelings and our natural thoughts because of some other external experience so i think your example of the bird and saying i'm in a dangerous place right and then you saying hey just let it go just let it go <laughs> like, right, 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 let, let what go how are we supposed right. to i mean this is what this is kind of how we're raised and and what happens to us throughout life you get this thought that's your natural instinct 
somebody says, no, 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 it's okay. Just, just forget about it or just, you don't, you don't act on it. You kind of suppress it and you put it aside. Oh, don't feel, don't feel nervous when you're about to speak in front of all these people. There's no reason to be nervous. No, you should feel nervous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's that act of embracing those emotions and those feelings that gets you to that next level of awareness and growth. And I think that's what I'm hearing well, you're, from you're, your technique. You're, 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 you're nailing it. And that's, these are the principles that I talked about earlier that are there in all of them. Allowing what is, is the same thing as awareness. You know, if you want to, not only are we pushing things down, but then we're also psychically pushing other people down. Sure. So, you know, generally we're going about our lives. If our life is the dance floor, we're looking at people around us like, well, I just really wish um, if Chris only had real half and half in his refrigerator, <laughs> my, right. my, my coffee would have been better. You know, I, right, right. I, I, and now I, my mind's <laughs> agitated because my coffee's not better. Well, the, and, I, and I could go and take the steps. Well, it's Chris's fault because he should have had half and half. And now I can start psychically bombarding him with this thought this is what we're doing all the time to each other right we're trying to get everyone else to dance the way we want them to dance so that we feel comfortable rather than going putting our attention in our own body doing what we need to do for ourselves you can't find out what you need to do for yourself if your mind isn't in your body and then wishing that other person the greatest happiness Mm -hmm. that's another part of what we do so we work with releasing the physical movement. And some people who use Fitbits at the DMTs have clocked themselves at well over three miles. Wow. I'm guessing I probably move six miles. Some of the people who practice for a while are moving a lot. Some people maybe move one mile. It doesn't, there's no, there's no measure. It doesn't matter. It doesn't it's, matter. We're not teaching you left arm in, right arm in, shake it all about. Some people crawl on the floor the whole time. Some people do whatever they need to do. So we're practicing allowing the body to move. We're practicing allowing the voice to open. And then we're also practicing holding and deepening a, what I call a love wisdom motivation, which is that we're doing these things in order to help heal our lives so that we can become people who can help heal other beings. Mm-hmm. Very, very specific motivation and a lot of mental imagination energy is applied to bringing that motivation to life sure uh that we're doing this to heal our physical bodies and to heal our minds now once the dog's been let out of the cage you know people have huge experiences and if you go to the testimonial sections and you read it you'll read a lot of testimonials um i have currently eight people in the facilitator training this is going to be available in colorado soon brooklyn michigan traverse city um Uh, different parts of southwestern Michigan, southeastern Michigan. And light bulbs are going on for everyone that's there, which is like, oh my gosh, you know, there's nothing mystical happening here. This is just Mm -hmm. basic how the human body works. You let the dog out of the cage, and then it's so much easier to get it to sit. Mm -hmm. So I'm like you, Chris, 20 minutes. I mean, Rinpoche teaches us, Five minutes yeah. of concentration, meditation. Right. That's it. Five. Right. right. He said, right. "If you most people make thirty seconds tops." Right. Yep. Yep. And I, I mean, and I'll just talk about my experience real briefly um, because, and John knows me well enough when I when I do these things, I, I don't do really any research, so I kind of go in. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm almost one of those non-discernment people. Like, <laughs> but I got to say, I remember when he said, he's, I'm going to this dance meditation. And right? I was like, what you <laughs> dance meditation? What are you talking about, man? Because I practice martial arts. And, you know, we, meditation a, is a very much root of our practice. And it's about the stillness of the mind. And if you still the body, you'll still the mind. I'm like, what? Are you going to be moving all around? How are you going to still your mind, man? Right. But he went into it. And now that I've met you, I was, I, I'm not skeptic. I'm the guy that's like, all right, this guy's coming in. What's going to happen? <laughs> right. Right. Yep. <laughs> you yeah. won me over. Yeah. Because, yeah. because there's technique and there's, you've got a rootedness to, to the development of what you're doing. Well, but anyways, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Well, no. And that, and that's like, the quest and the journey like of meditation, you know, sort of speak. Cause we can, you, we can beat ourselves up. Wow. I, I can't sit still. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to meditate, right? mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, so that's why I was, I was excited to experience the dance meditation because I got it because I know I, I would say I'm a moving meditator. Mm. <laughs> and so, um, you know, go in, not knowing what's going on. One of my girls wanted to go with me. So that was a bonus. And, you know, it felt like what was so nice when you walked in, Michael gives, you know, kind of like an overview, like even like we had on this podcast before it even gets started. So yeah. you know, a little, you know, a little bit about the medication, uh, sorry, uh, the meditation technique practice. And then as you see, there's all different types, you know, people in their young twenties to thirties, forties, fifties and beyond. But all of a sudden, it's like, okay, there's a community here. We had some 14-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, we did. We had some bunch of kids. And uh, I think you may be one of your kids' friends. Yep. But I would say, I I don't know how many people were there, but I mean. 75. Wow. So, I mean, there are 70, 80 people there. And all of a sudden, you just felt like a community. And then kind of just when it gets on, just like, kind of like the dance club, but in a different way. Everybody's moving. And everybody's going. And then just everybody's doing their thing. And I could tell you the way I was dancing. I would have never danced in a club or a wedding that way. But what was happening is it was just, I knew just knowing energy. I was just releasing it all, Ah, you know, just letting it loose and the sound. And we all need that. Mm. It's like letting the wildcat out of the cage and just a safe space to do it. Well, I think that that, that's, and and so for myself, you know, I loved it. I loved it. And um, we need to see more of it. Well, and we're going to see more of it. We're going to, Johnny invited us to do, quarterly retreat evenings at center for yoga Great. we're gonna t- we're gonna take over the kingsley inn we can fit 200 wow. we can fit 200 people in this one room and there's gonna be there's a regular classes every sunday obviously it it, it you what you said a safe space what we're really doing is we're all collectively practicing the safe space mm-hmm. And because it's not safe yet it's only safe if we all do the practice if everyone keeps their attention within then it's not attacking anyone else. Right. Right. So that is the practice. And then, of course, the deeper and more sincerely everyone's doing it, it starts to amplify right. and amplify. And the inward attention energy becomes amplified. And it's easier for more people for the attention to go within. And just as you mentioned, I hear it over and over and over again. The types of movements and the beautiful flows that come through people mm-hmm. just blow them away all form comes from formlessness right mm-hmm. the two things go hand in hand which is why dmt is the counterpose to yoga form and formlessness you cannot have one without the other mm-hmm. they're simultaneous they're with each other 
uh, and you will discover tremendously beautiful salsa, samba, waltz, all of those dances, where did they come from? Formlessness. Someone tapped into that creative space in themselves and that flow came through. Mm -hmm. And and that's part of what we're doing. Sorry, I'm rambling again. No, no. no. I, so I, I, ju I just want the, the, the listeners know, you know, where they can find this around in our area. So I know, well, number one, you do, oh, you have a once a week, right? In downtown Detroit. Oh or? my gosh, we have the most beautiful venue. We're at the historic Scarab Club. You can go to oh, sca yeah. scarabclub.org. You know okay. that place? My, my uh, best friend got married at the Scarab Club. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. Very beautiful right in by the DIA in mm -hmm. the Science Center. It's in the heart of the Central District. There's free fenced-in parking. Sunday morning at 10 a.m., try to come 15 minutes early. It's a donation-based class. It's a two-hour long class. We practice in the lounge. Do you remember the lounge with the beautiful fireplace? Mm -hmm. There's a 150-year-old yep. uh, piano and a 100-year-old mural. We're so lucky to get to practice at this place, so elegant. Um, so that's our weekly class there. Okay. Um, Center for Yoga and I are lining up when this quarterly thing is going to happen. And I'm training these facilitators and I'm, I'm looking for places to teach more regular weekday classes as well. Oddly enough, it's very difficult to teach these at yoga studios because every yoga studio already has that prime time slot filled. Mm. Right. So with yoga. Right. Uh, and DMT is still a baby. It's, right. it's, still, it's still baby. People yeah. don't know what it is. Right, right. right. Uh, so uh, where, where you, you have an event coming up, though, don't you? In March 19th at the Royal Oak Yoga Shelter, we're doing a spring celebration. This is going to be a four-hour practice, an extended wow. practice with 45 minutes of integrative yoga. I'm going to have seven yoga instructors present to help give adjustments, leading everybody into a 30-minute shavasana. So this is a big release big integration and big rest and then we're going to have tea and we're going to have snacks and you need to rsvp with yoga yoga shelter royal oak like right away because we can only have 40 people and i think we're well over halfway there okay, okay. awesome and then if people want to find out more about um the dance meditation technique is there a facebook page website if you look us up on Facebook, Dance Meditation Technique has an artist page. It also has a community page. You can go to the website, dancemt.com, to see the schedule, see information about the facilitator training. Um, Great. Right. Yeah. And then what if people just want to learn more about you? Because I think you've got a very fascinating history. Oh. and. I, you know, I've really enjoyed hearing about. Oh, thank you. Your past well, today I'm I'm gonna be. You know, it's gonna be a while before my book is ready. It's but it's coming. Maybe Good. a couple years. But I'm gonna be doing an online uh, student program. So these are for people who want to learn more about a little bit more about me and a little bit more about these techniques, but don't necessarily want to become facilitators. They don't necessarily want to share this with other people. They just want to learn it themselves. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I teach the technique through drumming, painting, poetry, writing. So I do workshops with percussion. So it would be the three of us. Like if you guys were to tell me this happens all the time, people say, I've never, I don't know how to play drums. I've never played drums. Within 20 minutes, you'll be playing a beat I didn't teach you. Great. Yeah. And you, it's I'm your a, former bandmate. Yeah, I mean, I'm it's kind of interested in that. It's, it's stunning how this technique works. And so I'll teach it so you can see how it works through other mediums. Um, 
But right now, the only way to do more in-depth work with me is through the facilitator training. Okay. Um, I'm also thinking about making some sort of coaching thing available, but I, I'm working with my sister on that. Okay. Trying to figure out, and Johnny, and figuring out what's the best approach. So I happen to be pretty, you know, I'm okay at teaching what I know, but uh, one of the areas where I'm working on developing a lot of skill is on how to platform this in the in in the business world. Right. You know, like right. what you have so much skill with, Chris. Right. That's right. one of the things that I actually struggle with. Yeah. Yeah. And um, breath by breath, one day at a time. But you've created something, and it's beneficial to the world, and it's like you said, it's a baby. So. Yeah. We'll just keep an eye on it. We'll get you back on the podcast and, you know, just yeah, keep, keep staying. Yeah. We're going to keep in touch with you. We make sure, yeah, oh, yeah, a lot going on. I'm sure yeah. when some of these other things manifest, we want, yeah. I want to hear about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, is, this was a great talk. Yeah. I'd love to do, if you guys, you know, we could, if you ever want to do a podcast on debate uh, and the importance of debate and spiritual practice, you know, I think that's something that. You know, people in our society are so terrified of debating. That's good. I we think could, we, we might have we could, our. I think we might have our first recurring guest. Yes. That, oh, that, that because comes I over think, to help. Uh, yeah, because this is good. Because this is why John and I started this. Oh, you nice. Know, I'm trying to bring him in. Right. Bring him in. Man. You know, this is good. Well, there's it's lots good. of. You know, we, I'm going to share one thing real quick. I I actually was on the radio. I mentioned this to you before. I, mm-hmm. I did a radio thing once when I was 23 or 24. I debated. The most well-known Christian evangelical host in the Midwest. His name is Bob Duco. On air for two hours, and um, they got so many calls. They shut the call line down. They wouldn't take any calls because of wow. my first interaction with the first person they called through. <laughs> it just didn't work the way Bob was hoping it would. <laughs> so, but I asked him. I said, "Would you let me be a recurring guest? Like I'll be your Gen X guy, and you yeah. know, you guys try and convert me." And right. There's no way I'm not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, we'll have fun with this. We'll have fun with this. Yes. We'll get you back. That's for sure. And well, I, by the way, my wife's a Christian. I consider myself. I, I'm not. I have nothing against Christianity at all. That I didn't mean to imply that by. by no. Uh, yeah. We have our own. Listen. Yeah. We all have our own path. Yeah. Yep. It's all good. Well, thank you again for being on the show. Um, it was a pleasure and an honor to meet you and oh. hear your story. Um, and we'll be in touch again in the future, I'm sure. And for everybody out there, this has been our longest podcast of all time. We're going out with a bang. Yeah, the way to way to close out the show at this at this house. Yeah. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at the Warrior Pod. We are on Facebook. Like us there. We just opened that page this week. Look for the Humble Warrior Podcast on Facebook, Instagram. Please, please subscribe to iTunes so you know when the next pod comes out and we're trying to build up our reviews so leave a review hopefully it's a four or five star and until next time live brave join us next week for the next episode of the humble warrior podcast subscribe to the humble warrior podcast by visiting chrisforte.com